And we're back again with another episode of Cut Talk Podcast, Cut Talk Radio, call it what you want, just don't forget the Cut Talk. Uh, we'd like to thank everybody who's been supporting us up to this point, showing love to the podcast across all platforms with likes, subscribes, follows, uh, showing uh, lots of support, commenting on the videos. We appreciate that. Please continue to do so and uh, share the podcast with somebody you know. Tell a friend to tell a friend, you know, and uh, help us out there and we'll continue to provide uh all the support just uh motivates us and just encourages us more and more and more just to bring the best quality content for the listeners and you know we do it for you guys so today we have another episode as i just stated and we have a special guest um i'm excited about today's episode actually because um uh, as people know you know we we love music here on the podcast and we uh, actually have the honor of having a musician with us so i'm going to get out the way and allow them to introduce themselves Hi, my name is Rick Delarada, and uh, I'm a multi-instrumentalist, but mainly uh, I play piano, um, I sing, I compose, and I'm also the founder of um, a philanthropic organization called Jazz for Peace. Awesome. Um, uh, so, Rick, I want to start by asking you, um, Jazz for Peace your endeavors in music are these things that um you've always been into as a child did you pick up the instruments as a, at a young age was it something that uh your heart always desired or is it something that came to you at a later stage in your life i really knew very young because i believe i was uh dancing around with my grandmother and my aunt and then they were probably <laughs> right. playing something like the beatles and I was thinking to myself, I think I would like to be whoever the heck is giving us all of this joy right now. I think I'd like to be those guys when I grow up, you know, giving people all kinds of joy with music. That's the, you know, so I never really strayed from that. You know, it's like I, I knew very, I, that's how young I kind of knew that I wanted to do that. There's a couple other things I really liked, but, uh, you know, that was the main thing. I was like, for sure, I'm going to do this. Right, and you brought up a great point. You know, music is really it has a it has a, some properties to it that are really uh, uh, spiritual in nature. One can say where, um, you know, hearing the right song at the right time, or discovering a song in a moment, or you know, even when you're watching a movie and and the, and the soundtrack kicks in at the right moment, that just the emotions match the music. There's something uh, amazing about the uh, cohesiveness of music with the world that's going on around us. And, you know, speaking about uh, music, you know, um, you shared with us that you wanted to uh, give us a little taste of what you have going on. So can you just explain to the people uh, a little bit about the performance we'll be hearing here today? Well, I'm going to give you guys something very unique today because, um, first of all, uh, it's the 20th anniversary of a concert I did at the United Nations where I brought together Israeli, Palestinian, and American musicians, along with musicians from a few other continents as well. And that concert at the United Nations started uh, an educational series to bring music into the schools, a benefit, uh, a musical instrument donation program that donates music, musical instruments all over the world to people, and probably by far the most important, a benefit concert series that has brought Jazz for Peace all around the world, helping the world's most outstanding causes. And uh, we've been to uh, California many times, LA many times, 
Uh, we have some wonderful supporters in the LA area. Uh, so I'm so glad that you're, you're well, we're reaching, you know, some of the kids there with this podcast. But anyway, uh, Jazzerpiece all started out as a poem. So I'm going to kind of recite the poem with some music I improvise underneath. Please. Then I'm going to go into a free improvisation called uh, called Free J.A. And this is a free improvisation I do for every podcast. And the ideas of it is I'm standing up for things like freedom of speech and uh, the freedom uh, for non-biased journalism and truth through uh, journalism and reporting. And I want to make sure that, you know, these people are protected to tell us what's going on so we can address the problems in our world. And that improvisation is going to bring out the inspiration of a musician named John Coltrane, who just had his 96th birthday. Now, he passed away, but he would have been 96 uh, just a few days ago. So that's going to uh, bring out uh, uh, some of his uh, um, artistry. Uh, it, it, I'm actually going to take one of his compositions and do some of the extended harmonies from that in this free improvisation. Then I'm going to go into something that's a real first for any podcast I've ever been on. And this is just a song called In the Ghetto by Elvis Presley. And that's because Elvis Presley actually uh, did a song that uh, had a social, the lyrics of social justice. And um, it was just a bizarre coincidence that last night there's a room here in New York City called the Ellington Room, and they did right. a showing of the movie Elvis that I'm sure you've heard about that mm -hmm. movie. And what happened was they asked uh, there were a, they asked me to be one of the Elvises. They had a couple of Elvises, and um, they wanted me to come out at the end and close this little performance mm -hmm. with this song that I'm going to sing for you now called "In the Ghetto." And so I'm going to you know just put all that into a medley. And actually, it's a very bizarre, uh, if you talk to anyone who knows jazz, because it's the first time you, you're ever going to hear the music of John Coltrane and the music of Elvis right. Presley uh, united in a medley. So uh, it's really, in sh it's a shocking to me that I'm even going to attempt this. Right. We'll and see uh, what happens. Yeah, and the picture should be up now. We're going to show you guys uh, Rick's uh, uh, get down, you know, his, his clothes that he had on, his costume. Uh, we should be putting that on the screen now. If it's not already on there, and uh, first off, rest in peace to the late great John Coltrane, and we definitely support all the messages that are, that you just uh, said, you know, free journalism, all that, and yeah. So I'm gonna shut up now, and I'm gonna allow uh, Rick to get into his mode and just sit back and enjoy it. Cool. Now, a special thanks for Pacho for taking that photo. He was the other Elvis. He he did like the earlier you know, hits of uh, Elvis Presley, I think right. Jailhouse Rock or those kind of tunes. Uh, so special thanks to him. Okay, here we go. I hear jazz for peace. Coming through the trees. And in my heart, it fills me like a celebration I see the light and I want to follow it inspired by the past contribution
actions of those that came before and laid the groundwork for us to build on in this universal language that is a gift for all mankind. When we speak it, people are enlightened by the creativity and artistry that stands for peace and love and humanity, intelligence that leads to reaching potential that we have in our souls. So we can raise our soul's conscience and see that the gift of giving is our greatest privilege. I hear jazz and peace. Press the snow flies on a cold and gray Chicago morning. Hungry man to feed in the ghetto. What people don't understand, the 
To roam the streets at night and it learns how to steal and learns how to find and then gets a move. Then one night in desperation, a young man breaks away, buys a gun, steals a car, tries to run, but it don't get far and this mama cries. As the crowd gathers round and the angry young man face down in the street with a gun in his hand in the ghetto. And as her young men die, on a cold and gray Chicago morning, another little baby child is born in the ghetto. And his mama cries. Wow. Wow, Rick. I mean, what can I say? I mean, that was... I'm, I'm at a loss for word. I'm appalled. That was an incredible performance, such a powerful message backed by beautiful melodies. I mean, that was, I just hope that the audience can, I hope that came through on audio as, as amazing as it sounded in these headphones. I mean, wow, what a treat. What a treat, Rick. Thank you for that. What a, I, I'm inspired. I'm inspired and I'm grateful that you shared that performance here with us today. I mean, wow, what can I say? That was that was amazing, and then thank the, you so much, Rob. And the poem, and the poem, you know, it's so simple yet so, you know, every word has a, has a meaning to it. Every uh, you know, nothing goes uh, untapped. You know, every purpose. There's a purpose for every single syllable that you uh, that you said there. And wow, I'm just I'm taken back right now. You know, it's like I I almost want to just hear you play piano for the next hour and a half and just. And just soak it in, you know, and I'm, <laughs> I, I don't, you know, I'm really just, I'm taken back. And that was an incredible performance. And we just, uh, we're so grateful to have you here and that, that you were willing to just share that with us. I mean, that, that was beautiful. Truly, truly. You know, one line that really stuck out to me about, the, um, or excuse me, uh, in the poem rather, was, um, mm-hmm. you know, it's so simple, yet it's, it's profound in my eyes. It's the, the gift of giving is our greatest privilege. And I just want to know what, what, um, you, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, well, I, you're absolutely right. I mean, see, here's what happened. Uh, I got a call from a woman down on Wall Street whose boss had just spoken with his son in one of the twin towers on 9 11. Wow. And 
his son had called his, his father and said, hey, you know, something's going on in the other building. There's a fire. It looks like a plane crashed into it. I don't know what the hell's going on. What should I do? And the father was like, man, you know what? Why don't you just get out of there? Get Because he's in the other building. Just get out of that building and, you know, listen, get, get out of there and call me when you get down. And that was the last time he ever saw his son. And she called me and said, hey, something's going on here. And I said, oh, my God. And I, I went up on the roof of my building where I was living only less than a quarter of a mile away from the World Trade Center. And I watched the whole thing. And so, yeah, wow. there's not a not a word of that poem is wasted because those are the words that came out of my body. Mm-hmm. In other words, I didn't really write that poem. It wrote itself. So those right. are just the pure words that came out of my being as I was watching the world trade, you know, I was watching the events of 9-11 unfolding before my eyes, less than a quarter of a, of a mile away from the roof of a building. So it was just crazy. I mean, what a story. And, um, you know, we're a couple of weeks removed, a little over a couple of weeks removed from the anniversary of 9-11. So we just want to take a moment to uh, acknowledge one of the greatest tragedies of our nation and just uh, always um, condolences to the victims and uh, it's it's interesting to hear a first-hand account here. Um, I'm sure it was a, a an event that um, probably will have a forever lasting impact on your life. Uh, in uh, in the bio, and you know, well, we, we spoke when over. Uh huh. Go ahead. Well, yeah. I mean, see, what what happened was, if an event too bad to be true, you know, which was the events of 9/11, because it was like the, this can't possibly be. Right. Something too good to be true could come out of it, and that was the Jazz for Peace Benefit Concert Series. And so hopefully the next time you hear me play, it will be in South Central L.A., hopefully raising funds for an outstanding cause uh, to benefit your community over there. I mean, that would be incredible, and uh, I definitely need to uh, – I, I would be an honor and a privilege to – to watch you perform live, you know, um, there's nothing quite like a live performance. So I hope um, the audience really gets to capture the essence of the music uh, through through the podcast, you know. Um, but I encourage people to, um, you know, we'll get into that later. But just uh, sh- really, uh, yeah. Rick, in my eyes, you know, you, you you've gained all my respect for what it's worth. And I mean, just again, uh, there's nothing like a, somebody who can just create something like that and um you know you just you took me back to a place when when i when you got into you know the the, the rendition of uh, coltrane is uh i mean it speaks for itself you know and then it's just an incredible work of music and the transition that you really just um you really nailed it you know you really found the centerpiece between those two and your ability to connect the two um two pieces of music there and so with such a flawless manner and to almost make it seem like one song is just something that i commend so much and i mean uh mixing those two eras as you said is something that's uh, uh never been heard of and being able to do it in such a, a smooth fashion with such uh you know with such uh, such a high level of uh skill you know it's just incredible and as you can tell i'm still at a loss for words i really just am uh, taken back by that and so you mentioned, um, you know, out of something, out of extreme tragedy is potential for extreme progress. And that's kind of where the Jazz for Peace uh, nonprofit comes from or the, the benefit comes from, rather. And uh, so can you give us um, maybe a little bit of in-depth back uh, background story about the Jazz for Peace 
uh, movement that you have going on? So we've heard the origin story. Sure. You... So what happened? Yeah. Well, so so you know a little history. What happened was uh, at you know after nine, but on on nine twelve, you know the day after nine eleven, right. all I had was these words. It was a poem, and the whole country was closed down. I mean, life, you know, life as we know it had completely changed, especially in New York City where I was. Right. So what happened was, um, uh, the eventually you know they opened. Up the country again, and they opened it up just in time, literally the day before of jazz festival that I had been scheduled to play in Savannah, Georgia. So I went down to that jazz festival with, and I was headlining at the jazz festival. So it was gonna be like 8,500 people there, and I was the headline act, and I was playing with an incredible band and everything, you know, Jazz Grace that were playing in my band and it was just you know a dream come true and i had this piece of paper with those words and so in that concert at the middle of the concert i just read the poem and when i got back to new york from that you know it had reverberated and so they asked me to um the next promoters asked me to you know if, if i was going to put that to music and i thought well i'll well, let me see what i can do i'll try i'll see what i can do and so the next thing i knew i had put it to music for that day and then all the press came out, you know, Delarada starts concert with Jazz for Peace and Jazz for Peace and Jazz for Peace. So, you know, it just kind of launched itself. And the next thing I knew, I was asking my manager, hey, you know, could you just do this favor for me? Could you kind of call around over at the United Nations, give them my resume, show them all the things I've already done with my career and say, hey, this guy wrote this poem here. This is who he is. This is what he's done. He's already toured all over the world. He's done this. Is and that he's got CDs. He wants to bring, you know, a, a group together, an international, uh, a group of people from all over the world, you know, a band, uh, and do a, you know, a performance at the United Nations. And somehow, Raul, this thing came together. But it took a year. It took a year. And so it was January right. 11th of, I believe, 2001 was 9/11. It was January. It was. I mean, I'm sorry. Uh, September 11th September, yeah. it was September 25th of 2002 when I finally did this uh, concert at the United Nations, and we're celebrating the 20th year of that event. And then, like I said, all the other stuff came from that event. After that event came, you know, all of these other things. Yeah. You know, it's just kind of like, uh -huh. you know, you do one thing and it leads to another thing. You know what I mean? I mean, um, you know, Rick, talent is undeniable. And, um, I, you know, the when it comes to something like this and um you know it's very difficult to uh especially something as tragic as the events of 9-11 it's really hard to um to really put it in perspective you know especially using an expression like music but uh, again like i said you just the way you capture it with such little words yet so much meaning is just uh incredible and i'm sure you inspired people as you've inspired us today and so i'm reading a little bit here about that 2002 um concert for the united nations that was going on here it says um it says you were leading a band consisting of middle eastern both arab and israeli european asian and american jazz museum musicians excuse me in a concert for an international audience so can you explain to us uh again you kind of told us the story of how it came to be but w the day of right you know you you've booked this gig mm -hmm. and it's not just a regular gig you're performing for the un you know this is not your everyday audience right. Th these are leaders around the world and then as you mentioned a, a greatly diverse band so was that intentional well it was intentional for me 
to bring, you know, to I wanted to make sure, you know, just candidly, I wanted to make sure there was an Israeli and a Palestinian in that band. You know what I mean? Because I wanted to show that these people, if you if you if you find common ground you can unite people and what better common ground is there than music and right. since we're from america how about the american art form of jazz that is spoken that's a language it's a universal language it's spoken everywhere music itself crosses every kind of barrier that's known to mankind from race to creed to religion to language i mean you name it re uh, music just burns right through it so i wanted to prove a point and, uh, you know, that was my goal. And I'll tell you something. Um, it took a long time. But after a while, I started to get letters from people who just wanted to tell me that, you know, I proved my point to them, you know. And some of those people were the mayor of New York City, uh, you know, the president of the United States at that time, Barack Obama, uh, et cetera, et cetera, or the, the future president of the United States, uh, you know. Right. Person became, but you know, uh, yeah, just I mean, so many people, and, and then people from all over the world started doing it, and I started traveling all over the world. And you know, I remember I got a letter from you know the prime minister of Kenya, you know, after I had performed there, and right. so it, you know, it just, um, you know, what it, it's like, uh, it's kind of common sense, but sometimes we overlook common sense, sometimes we throw common sense to the wind, and I want to bring common sense back into the equation. Right, and you know, definitely in today in the state of today's world, common sense is uh, far from common, unfortunately. But as you mentioned, you know, um, you I just the trust, you know, whenever somebody performs, right, there has to be some level of maybe anxiety, nervousness. Mm -hmm. So how how was the feeling when you uh, let's say you're five minutes out, you're about to perform? Maybe do you guys rehearse at all before an event like that? I imagine you do. Well, it really depends on the situation. Um, I can't remember if we act. I don't believe we actually did. It. I think here's what I think we did at that one. I believe um, I knew I had these guys together. Some of them had played my music before. Some of them hadn't. Oh, okay. And what I did was uh, I got them the charts in advance. I made sure everybody had music. And then I believe... I rehearsed that band at the sound check. So, you know, that this is the thing, Raul, about being a professional and being an amateur. You know, if, if you're an amateur, you can do an incredible job, but right. you might have to rehearse a lot to get to that point. Whereas if you're a professional, you ha you know little tricks, you know, little tricks of the trade. Like I know, okay, I'm going to rehearse these guys on the beginning and on the end, and we're going to improvise in the middle and – everyone's going to think we played together for 20 years. You know what I mean? You can right. do these little, you know, these little things. It's like magic, you know? So I kind of like, what is it going to take to make this band look like we have <laughs> yeah, a lot? Yeah, yeah. And so I got these guys together at the sound check and I went through specific things at the sound check and I told certain guys, you know, in advance, Hey, see that little part in that, in that chart, make sure you learn those two bars. Cause you know, that's important. What you play there is very important or this ending, make sure you guys are tight on it. So that they knew in advance, you know, and then when we got to the sound check, I went through just those specific things to kind of make it all come together. Nice. A few tricks of the trade there for any potential uh, up and coming musicians who are, you know, maybe getting, uh, 
gaining an understanding of music uh, firsthand here from uh, from an outstanding musician. Just a little, a few and tricks right there. And some of the songs, yeah, I have to tell you, some of the songs for the audience that was there sounded very unique because uh, I had the um, the percussionist was uh, from Lebanon, which is you know the Palestinian side of, right. of you know that region, and I'm telling you. When you bring those rhythms into jazz, it changes the flavor of it. And some of the stuff he was doing, it was like so, um, it was so, how could I say, um, foreign, really, to right. what you would normally hear percussionists play, that I was like, whoa, okay, guys, we're going to just going to play, we're going to play, we're going to play with him, rather than him play with us. We're gonna play. We're gonna like move our rhythms to fit his what he's doing on percussion because I had never heard anything like that before. Right, jazz ensemble. So that was it. Was very unique performance as well. Right, you know, and um, that's the beautiful thing about music. You know, it's um, it really does uh transcend language. It's a universal thing, and um, really, really, it's uh, I mean, just being able to encapsulate uh, uh something into a song is is incredible and then you know jazz. Well, i should tell you well, i should tell you there's a mm -hmm. yeah there's a page you can go to i just want to squeeze this in there is a page you can go to called jazzforpeace.org which is our website and all you do is add a forward slash and the words you and that's it and if you just jazzforpeace.org forward slash you and you'll get to a page and you can actually hear uh read what that percussionist that I'm telling you about, what he thought of that whole event. Because he sent me a little thing, a little note, and we put it on that page. And, you know, other little tidbits, historical tidbits and stuff like that. So I just want to let people know if they want to see what that was like and get a flavor of what that day was like, they can go to that website. Is that, a, is that available on YouTube at all or anywhere on the web, the performance? Is it somewhere people can find well, it? Well, not so much on YouTube. Yeah. It's not because, you know, um, it's not – that's why I direct you to that page because that's where you can see pictures. Okay, nice. Well, we'll definitely include that in the description. Back then, yeah. Yeah. See, nowadays we're so used to everything being recorded and everything being filmed right, and all that right, stuff. Right, right, right. We didn't have cell phones. You couldn't film – you couldn't take your cell phone and film it in those days. Right, they didn't well have it. Well, even better than recording yeah, and did, anything. We didn't, is, have, uh, we didn't have video on our phones. Right, right. 2002 was yeah. a very different so, time. A very different time. So that's why I said go to jazzrepeat.org forward slash UN, and then you can, you know, read and see what other people have said. You can click on letters that have come from all around the world. You can see pictures, all that kind of stuff. Nice. You guys check that out. We'll have that in the description for you guys to go and uh, show love to the Jazz for Peace movement. And also, as Rick said, to... um check it out and get get the first hand accounts from people who were there and uh, look at the pictures yourself and i mean even better than watching a video is just hearing it from the perspective of the person who was there and uh, we appreciate you sharing that with us um so you know you mentioned jazz a lot jazz is definitely a very <clears throat> american art form you know stems from the blues folk songs things like that so where did your interest uh was, was jazz your first uh, genre of music was that something that you you instantly identified with was uh, the sound of jazz or who are some of your favorite jazz musicians while we're at it 
Yeah. Okay. Well, actually, it wasn't because, like I said, I was only hearing the music that I was exposed to, and that was mostly the music on the radio. You know, uh, music that my parents listened to, classical music. I was exposed to. I studied classical piano. But what happened was, I was in a uh, library and I opened up a drawer by accident, just kind of being mischievous. Right. And there were all these records in there, and I'm like, "What the heck is this? Who are these people?" I've never heard, and I started to take them out of the library. And so one of the records I took out of the library was John Coltrane, and I was like, it was going way over my head. But I knew there was something in it to be discovered, so I just hung in there and kept listening and kept listening. Um, as far as my favorite musicians or jazz musicians, I'll be honest with you, I love music of all shapes and styles, and I also love jazz from different eras, you know? Right. So, um, you know, for example, I, I once played with an, a band called the Artie Shaw Orchestra, and if you ever look up Artie Shaw, he was from an era when jazz musicians were paid like Michael Jordan kind of money. Wow. You know what I'm saying? Or like, you know, I don't know who you're, yeah, I don't know who you're the most well-known sports figure is to you guys. Steph Curry, you know what I'm saying? Oh, no, yeah, Michael, Michael that, Jordan's a good one. They were the stars back then. Right. Okay, so they, they would get paid that kind of money because that was the you know the big thing. And it's not necessarily he was a jazz star per se. I mean, he was a jazz musician, but just this, he played the swing music of the era, and you know he was a superstar. And so I played in the Artie Shaw Orchestra. He was 84 years old by that time. But, um, you know, they would put that band together again. And I got to tour around the country a few times with that group. But, you know, that's that's like the music of my grandparents, you know, more. And my, you know, you know but I've, uh, different eras, there's different music that I love from all the different eras, you know. Right. Yeah. And, and as you mentioned, you know, music just is an is an ever evolving art. So that's. It's good to hear that um it's good to hear it always and it's good to uh to respect the generations before who inspired the gener generations after. So uh just to go on a little bit about the the benefit concert and things like that. Um it says here that um says the united more world leaders and prestigious supporters than every other you know. So you guys did a lot in bringing together uh different different um groups of people and uh different leaders by using the method of music and um it was it seems to be very effective so has this been a yearly thing or is it is the benefit concert or how does this work what kind of events do you guys throw? well we a few weeks ago we got back from nigeria and that was our ninth trip to africa so and that's just Africa. I think, like I told you, we've been to Mexico numerous times because you you two were telling me you're a Mexican. Uh, for example, um, one day I was just in my apartment in New York and I get this call from this woman and she says, "Hi, I'm visiting in New York and I I'm from Mexico." She said and she said my father was a musician and. I loved him so dearly, and he passed away. And she said, uh, "Can I meet you for breakfast?" So I met her, you know, at a little brunch place or breakfast place, you know. And I said, "Well, tell me what's going on." She says, "My dream is to bring jazz for peace to Mexico." Wow. And so we uh, we did um, a concert in Mexico City for an outstanding cause. But then here was an interesting thing: we went to. Um, uh what's that cancun, cancun right? the yeah. famous, mm -hmm. you know where all the all the tourists go 
right yeah. down so there. We go to Cancun, and she says, well, she, yeah, she says, you know, this concert you're going to play, uh, it's in a place called Akumal. Uh-huh. So that's why we flew to Cancun. Akumal, I don't know if you ever heard of it, but it's about two hours or three hours from Cancun. And it's this wild place. And so we get in a car, and she, she says, well, my friend from high school uh, lives there, and they're coming to pick us up. So her girlfriend from high school came, picked us up. Her and her girlfriend are in the front seat, and I'm right. in the back with a two-year-old child. The child looks at me like he's <laughs> yeah. with me for my whole life. Yeah, yeah, okay? Papa. And he yeah. just starts talking to me. Yup, and he's showing me this, and he's showing me that, and uh-huh. I'm telling you, he was nonstop. And I was understanding every single thing that he was saying to me, except one word called tortuga. He tortuga. kept saying tortuga, yeah. tortuga, tortuga. Finally, and you know, they were so busy catching up from their high school days. They hadn't seen each other for right. years, and they were just. And finally, I had to knock on them, disturb them. I said, "Listen, I'm so sorry to bother you too. I know you're, you know, reminiscing, blah blah blah." I've got to tell you, <laughs> yeah. this kid is in educating me about all this, everything, his toys. He. Uh-huh. Was talking about this thing and she was with each other tortuga tortuga she uh-huh. said oh that's his turtle right, his turtle right. he yes. loves his turtle blah 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 on and on with the turtle where's the turtle the turtle's home but he's telling you about his turtle and he can't stop telling you about the turtle we uh-huh. get to this place akumal and guess what i am doing at this place i my job is to save two million sea turtles Wow, how'd you get into that particular? So if you ever go to Acumal, Mexico, uh-huh. if you ever go to Acumal, Mexico, here's the deal. Acumal, Mexico is a place that has a natural coral reef that you can swim to. Mm-hmm. So I get to this place, right? And they said, we brought you here because your model is so powerful that we believe we can stop these um, big companies from putting in giant hotels that they want to put in. They wanted to turn Akumal into Cancun, into another Cancun. You yeah. follow me? They said yeah. if they do this, they have to get rid of the waste. They have to get rid of it into the ocean. The waste will destroy the coral reef, and the turtles will be unable to survive when they come to lay their eggs. Right, eggs. an absolute see, tragedy. Here's what happens. They've, like, they lay millions of eggs, millions now, and these little turtles hatch, and they go out, and by mm-hmm. reaching that coral reef they are able to survive the best chance of survival they swim to the coral reef and so they gave me a snorkel they said, go out there we want you to look at it we want you to see what you're doing i swam out there with a snorkel to this coral reef and i was like oh my god this is incredible and they said they teaching me they said we want you to you know here's what we want to do we want to sell this nature to the visitors who come from all over mm-hmm. the world and then we want to do we want you to teach us how to how you did this so that we can do this every year on the same date as you're doing this to ward off all of the people so the whole community knows that they are you know what i mean that that they cannot allow these you know these big companies to come in here and destroy it and believe me it's still there those turtles have been saved all this time from that event so you know mexico i mean that's a big thing that happened in mexico yeah, and um, yeah, it's definitely a big event. Um, 
and Akumal is uh is one of the preserved ecosystems and I mean there's a lot of history in Mexico rich history in terms of biology so thank you for shedding light on that and for all my conservationists and uh I've done environmentalists yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. go ahead I've done new, just so you know I've, I've well, so here's another thing that happened the bass player that I played with and I had been getting uh, emails from a bass player or letters or however it was back then I've been for years from a bass player I love your music I want to play for you I'm in Mexico I said listen if I'm ever in Mexico which I've never thought I would be I'll get a hold of you we'll play great 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 you know you never thought but now I'm in Mexico I got we got to call this guy so we call this guy he's like a genius bass player Rodrigo Castellan and he comes and plays with me in Mexico City right. and he's like I said, listen, you know, well, this, so what are we going to do now? This was such an amazing experience. I said, I'll tell you what, if you ever make it to New York City, I'll put you in the band. I will, we'll play gigs all over the place. Well, he finds his way to Mexico City, I mean to New York City, and then guess what? He goes back to Mexico and starts bringing me to a, t- a city called Puebla. Oh, yeah, Puebla. You Shout out my Pue- Pueblanos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, I know a lot of people from Puebla. It's Man, great time. it's killer. And yeah, that's where that, that's where that, what, called that, type of food comes from, right that, mm-hmm. that type of yep. food is it Pueblana, Polano, whatever it is that yeah. uh, incredible food from from that area that region and i came when i did a bunch of concerts in puebla and i want to ask um rick before you continue because i'm sure you're full of incredible stories and i want to hear them but uh just uh to let the people know you know there's a stigma about mexico and mexican culture and i you know i want to hear it firsthand from you how were you received by the people by uh, my people by our people here in the motherland oh my well you know what i went to the first time i well the concerts at akumal as you know i'm coming to save sea turtles so mm-hmm. no one you know i was i could you know i mean people i mean they were i was kind of a, being looked at as the savior here because you know we this is something that they had to do so i mean you know i i wasn't there wasn't even the thought that of anyone not i mean it was as warm a welcome as you can imagine right. um but I will tell you uh, the Puebla thing. I when I got to Puebla, I just assumed this guy's bringing me down here because he admires my musicianship and my playing. Right. I don't think anyone's going to know who the hell I am. They're all going to be hearing me for the first time. Mm-hmm. Well, I just remember one of the concerts. You know, I was backstage and I, I I introduced myself to somebody and said, "Hi, I'm Rick." And he says, "Oh man, I know who you are. Don't worry, you don't have to introduce." I said, "Really? You know who I am?" He says, "Yeah." He said he saw <laughs> yeah. me on YouTube. So you know. Um, and I'll tell you, man, they were incredible concerts. I mean, I've, I listen. I would, I would love to spend time in Mexico. First of all, Mexico is so vast. Most mm-hmm. Americans have no idea what Mexico's all about because they only go to these one or two places. You know, Cozumel, or I've been to Cozumel too, by the way. But you know, they only know Cozumel, Cancun, Mexico City. There's Mexico's huge. Yeah, the the inland, the more uh, away from the beaches. I mean, it's beautiful. Uh, it's just a beautiful country. Right. It's just stricken by so many. Uh, so it's just a, a lot of factors, you know. But I mean, it's, it's just amazing to hear from the perspective of. Of somebody who, uh, as you said, you know, you, you couldn't even imagine visiting Mexico, and then there you were being received by the people. And you know, I just want to uh, sh- shed a little bit of light on that. And you know what? People are actually a lot of people are surprised by that. But um, you know, in, in Mexico and Mexico, where we actually love jazz music and a lot of oldies and a lot of um, I mean, folk music, just uh, you know, John Coltrane, Miles Davis, Duke Ellington, like a lot of that stuff. You'll hear it playing, and you might be surprised because. Um, you know, you're like, what? These are Mexicans. You know, well, what do they know about jazz? But I mean, quite a bit, actually. You know, we love 
we love that folk music template of telling a story through the music, right? We do that with our own music. And uh, speaking of that, I want to know how familiar are you with the with the music of uh, you know Mexico, the regional. We call them corridos. We call them rancheras. Uh, are you familiar with the genre of music at all? Have well, okay. I'm glad you brought that up. So one of the places that I played in Mexico was so amazing now that there is a NFT. And the NFT, which you could probably look up, I think it's, what is it, Ocean something? I forgot the name of that yeah. website that has all the NFTs. But anyway, oh, that, open that website, the famous website, something, OpenSea, I'm so sorry, okay. OpenSea. If you go to OpenSea and, and you type in this, uh, I think it's up, top 50 venues performed uh -huh. by Rick Delarado. Now, this is the top 50 places in the world that I played, and Mexico made it with this one venue, okay? It was spectacular, and it was packed with people. Uh, it was an amazing event, and, uh, you know, they brought me down there, and they said, hey, you know, the promoters are like, get, uh, get whatever you want. Oh, I don't know. I want what, what to get. So I remember, I remember on one dinner that I had the langosta, because uh -huh. that means lobster, right? They yep, just told yep. me to get that. But I have had some very traditional Mexican foods. Um, I don't even know the names of them. Of course, that poblano I had in uh, Puebla, whatever that was, yeah. that poblano, whatever that special mm -hmm. thing. But um, uh, your other question to the music, I got to hear the music, but I didn't get to hear as much so I can tell you which one is which and which is which. But I, I did visit places where I heard the music, and I visited a um, – a, um, what do they call those? I visited – uh, a pyramid, man. A pyramid. It was amazing. Mm -hmm. And a pyramid that was underground because I believe they tried to cover this pyramid and they put like a mountain on the pyramid. So now you like walk into a mountain because there are amazing pyramids in Mexico. It's almost like Egypt, a little part of it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The, 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 the history of the Aztecs of, uh, in Mexico, I mean, it's just prominent it's just a rich culture uh you know there's a there's a giant history lesson to be made there for anybody listening you know if, if you're into history at all definitely check out the history of mexico the aztecs and you know the inquisition of the spanish but and a lot of the music in, the musical influence actually comes from those times of um you know that the attitude of revolution wow atti yeah the attitude of of mm. uh, standing up and telling a story through uh or, or making it through tough times with music you know a lot of that uh, so I'll probably send you a few songs that you can check out and uh, just maybe get an opinion on. But yeah, I um, love that. Love to listen a, to it. Yeah, amazing. So um, so we talked. One of the trips. Uh -huh. One of the trips I went down just to let you know. One of the trips I, I I just said to the I said listen, you know I've been I've come here a few times now. I said can I make a request? Can you take me to a pyramid? And they said there is one near yeah. Puebla. Yeah. And they took me to a pyramid near Puebla, and it was just a dream come true because I knew about them, and I'd never been to one. So I just want to let you know. Yeah, I mean, um, there's a there's a few, you know, there's a lot. I mean, there's actually a, quite a few, and even some that are um, uh, kind of blocked off. They don't really let people go to too much. But, yeah, I mean, just it's amazing how music has, you know, just hearing you speak, you know, all this comes from your knowledge in music and just your your, your ability to inspire people. And you know, even even the idea that somebody uh, down in Mexico would would uh, would come to the conclusion that you know, if we want to save these turtles, this guy Rick De La Rata, he's the one that knows how to get the message across. You know, which I'm sure it feels good. 
but it also is a probably a feeling of a reaffirmation in terms of okay the music that i'm making i'm doing it the right way is is that the feeling that you get or uh is are you i mean how do you feel when somebody tells you uh i choose you to represent our cause uh what are the emotions that come with that well you know it's beyond my comprehension because like I didn't even know I could even be, I didn't even know I had the capability. You know what it does? It makes me realize that it's really not so much us, it's a higher power working here. And I think we need to, if we all just need to allow right. that higher power to come through us, you know, I practice music and I practice it so that it can come, I can allow whatever's going to come through me to come through me. So I almost, you know what, I almost, um, I'm happy to credit a higher power for that because it's beyond my comprehension. And just to be able to say that I had a part in saving those turtles, um, you know what, it brings me inner wealth. I feel a little bit rich on the inside. Right. Yeah, and um. I mean that's uh I mean just such a such a noble way to look at it and just you know to to uh I it mean, also makes me wonder yeah mm. well it also makes me wonder what else can I do like what else can I do if right. I could do that I know if, Why if stop? whatever this higher power would allow me to do that yeah what else what could I do for people in South Central LA I mean I can't help but think that because you know I'm talking to you and I know you're going to be reaching people there so mm -hmm. you see what I mean that's how it's like when you do all these things because I mean if when you look at it you'll see I've been everywhere you know Pakistan Brazil I mean you name it so you just wonder who knows who knows what the, what the uh, possibilities are who knows right and um again just just hearing your story about performing and at a, at a time such a controversial time right and such a such a sensitive time and to still be able to really utilize your talents and your understanding for the art form and you know there's there's been instances you know just speaking a little bit about our community here and relating to music there's been instances where you know we have a lot of gang activity here there's been times where even the gangs have come to a truce just to allow performances of music to happen you know and to let the kids enjoy the music without any violence uh occurring you know so it's just it's really amazing right. and and it's and it's uh inspirational to hear you and to know that some there's somebody out there who's who's really just you know not only touching people through the music that they play but with the intention you know and 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 the the strength and just having that mentality of just you know when we come here to play we, we're bringing we're bringing our our our, me our message with us we're bringing our you know just everything and, and the essence of it is amazing so uh you know it says here you know speaking a little bit about helping the community it says you have uh, you're dedicated to helping children which uh you know in other words our future which is very true and a lot of people uh, tend to ignore that children are the future and we need to uh you know that's a that's a sentiment that we carry here which is a focusing on the future and trying to make create a better world for the next generation so you have an education series and instrument donation program which is something that i i would like you to speak about a little bit if you don't mind on how the program works and uh, maybe some what the work that you've done so far well here's a little secret um I'm working right now as we speak on an event in LA for recovery.
recovery for recovering addicts and for an organization that wants to really revamp uh, the way this whole thing is being addressed and treated. And um, the, the people involved in this organization are have you know been through the whole thing, and they have an incredible platform of how they can um, you know just uh, address this in a much more positive way. So we're working on that, and who knows? Maybe there's a way at the same time to do something in South Central for you guys. But um, the, uh, the 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 musical instrument donation program, you know, it just came about. It was like all of a sudden I saw it in our literature. I didn't really know how it got in there, but I was like, wow, it looks good. Uh, how, what are we gonna do? How are we gonna how are we gonna do this? And we just what we did is um, we we started to find ways to get instruments donated, and then we would get donations mm -hmm. and even sometimes small grants to repair those. Because you know, you get it's easy to get an instrument donated sometimes, but it's not easy to donate that instrument because it's not in any kind of shape to give to anybody. Right, it's been right. in someone's attic for God only knows how long. You know, as mm. the kids have it, so they dropped or whatever. So we have to get it repaired. So you know, we we get the instruments donated, then they're repaired, and then we donate them. And so what I would do a lot of times, I would fly all over the place um, and don't on the plane, I would put it in my carry on an instrument and I'd show up to the concert and I would donate it to a child at the concert. But we donated it to schools and here and there. And there is a little town outside of L.A. Now, yeah. you can go to we have the domain called instrumentdonation.com. And if you go to instrumentdonation.com, it's funny because you'll see me donating a violin. There's a lot of pictures, but one of the pictures is me donating a violin to uh, at a concert. Um, and I have to, I can never. Uh, I'm, I'm. You said it's a town outside of LA. Suburbs of LA. Yes, it's a town outside of LA. And I'm going to try to get a list. I don't know why I, I can never remember this town, but um, yeah, it's a town outside of LA. I thought it'd be Is it towards the T. airport. Torrance, uh, maybe. Torrance, Torrance, Torrance. You Torrance, got it. You yeah. nailed it. I'm so glad you guessed it because yeah. I'd have been sitting here for a freaking hour. Oh, no. Torrance is one. And you'll see me with a violin donating, a, donating it to a little child at a concert at a beautiful venue in Torrance, which is just know a suburb of la as you know yeah yeah it's a it's a little bit of a nicer neighborhood but we definitely uh we go there we visit there's a nice mall in torrance so i mean you know it's really the intention you know sometimes people all right yeah sometimes uh yeah uh you know it is true you know i mean it's i mean i don't blame anybody for not wanting to come to south central because it's pretty dangerous i'm not gonna lie but you know just the intention of uh even being in that close to where somebody could go and and, and participate is amazing and you know why you speak about this instrument uh, donation i can't help but remember a friend that i had uh years ago you know i was maybe 12 11 12 living in apartments here in south central and uh, little tito you know he, he always had a guitar always had a guitar and it was always acoustic and it was always missing a string right it was either I mean, it was maybe the E string, the A string. It was right. always missing a string, and I just can not imagine how much joy Tito would have got out of a program like that. And um, you know, just um, I mean, just to let you know that there's definitely kids who um would benefit from something like that, you know, and it would probably help guide them and give them a, an escape from the chaos that we live in here. 
which is amazing and i hope uh if, if there's any way we can support uh the, the with the the thing that you got going on the program the benefits you know we would love to support it and uh, help with uh bringing making that connection and you know bringing the good music to the kids of south central and to you know even adults people who just need a place to go and jam out for a second and just forget about what's going on in life you know that's it's always a pleasure when when uh good music is being played and it's just uh just a really a, a gift and um so uh uh-huh you got something to say well jazz for jazz for peace funding believe it or not it starts with a simple comment and it's based out uh, on that growing of a tree because that's why we can do this all over the world there's nobody on this planet earth that doesn't know what a tree is there's just nobody so when we tell them it's grown just out of a tree they say oh explain it to me i said well you review our program whatever you want to review you know watch a video listen to a podcast whatever you want and then you send a comment to our email address at info at jazzforpeace.org. Info jazzforpeace.org. And they, they send a, you just send a comment, whatever. What, what's the comment? The comment is whatever you honestly want to say. That's your comment. That little comment represents a seedling. You know those little seedlings that spin around and fall off the tree? Right. Right? And, you know, thousands of them fall off a tree, as you know, and then maybe one or two or a handful will become actual trees. Well, our goal, if you're an outstanding cause, is to take your comment and make it a tree. So we, that seedling, what we'll do now is we will then take your comment and we'll put it into a little one-page document that explains what we do and what we want to do for your outstanding cause in your area at such in such a month, you know what I mean? December of 2022, whatever it is, January 2023. And, um, you know, and what it is, and, and, and then it basically says, here's some information for you to review. Here's my comment. Please send me yours. So then they'll give it to their board members or their friends or their family or their supporters, and they'll all read that document, and then they'll all submit their comment. Right. Their comment could be anything. Wow. I would love for Rick to come out here and help our organization. It could be anything, whatever they want to say. You understand? We take all those names and comments. Guess what those are? Those are the roots. So the seedling now has grown into roots. You follow me? Then we will get a little committee of people together, and those people will be allowed to share the uh, letter with their friends and their people, people that they would like to bring into this organization to become the future supporters. That completes the roots of the tree. And you can't grow a tree without roots, but now we have roots, we can grow this tree. Those people all become the VIP guests of honor at this event. So imagine how much fun this event is for them. They're coming to an event, they already know they love what Jazz for Peace does because they've, they've reviewed our information, they've listened to the music, and they love this outstanding cause, and they're getting panned at this event by the red carpet treatment they're coming and they're coming to a, into a special vip ceremony they're get, often getting free beverages free food depending on our sponsors free gifts free preferred seating so you can imagine how much fun it is for those vip guests of honor at the same time they help us confirm this event 
at no cost to the organization and with funds already raised for that organization. And guess what we can do now? Now we can grow their empowerment tree, okay, by these branches. Branch number two will be local sponsors. We'll go into the local community and we'll say, hey, you see this organization that you guys have been ignoring? We're Jazz for Peace. We're here to tell you that they're incredible and we want you to sponsor them and be a part of this event. Now we get local sponsors. Then we go to the media. Hey, you guys, time for you to, you know, right. Jazz for Peace is coming. Time for you to write something. Time for you to talk about it. Mm -hmm. Time for you to say something on the radio, on TV, whatever. Get the word out about the sustaining cause. Yeah. That's branch number three. Branch number four is, you know, another we go up and up and up. Branch number five is new and prestigious supporters. Uh, I'm going to use L.A. as an example. One time I came at an event. And backstage was this really great actor who I've loved all my life, Ed Begley Jr. I don't know if you're familiar with him, but uh, did you see um, – he's been in so many movies. But did you see Breaking – not Breaking Bad, the sequel, Better Call Saul? Oh, uh, Better Call Saul, yeah. Is, it, uh, is he the lawyer? Okay. He, yeah. He's the lawyer. He's the lawyer. Huge fan of Jazz right Peace. But my point is – he is a prestigious supporter. You see what I mean? Uh -huh. And he's a prestigious supporter of the outstanding cause that we were helping that day. Wow, that's incredible. Words, we end up getting the mayor or celebrity. Yeah, it's incredible. And that's why everybody says it's too good to be true. But it's not. It really is true. And I want you guys to see it and experience it for yourself. I mean... Uh, just uh, that's just an incredible system you built there and um we definitely will do an our part and um just being uh you know an on you know just a partner to you guys in a way of just uh showing love and uh bringing awareness to that especially in the community you know the community could greatly benefit from something like that just not not even just you know receiving anything but just having a performance where they can just go and enjoy themselves and as i mentioned you know greatly appreciated and just on behalf of the community it's just amazing to know that somebody's thinking about us and that we that uh you know i mean i'm just after hearing your music and then hearing what you've done and what you're still doing to this day you know i just can't help but be inspired and and look at you as some sort of a role model which is um what i hope uh people get from this podcast today here and um you know uh well, uh, the key, the uh -huh. key thing to do, Raul, if possible, you know, and don't forget, we, we have plenty of time. It's not like we're going anywhere. We're going to be around as long as, you know, we, you know, we're here. So if, right. you, if you run into an outstanding cause that you feel is really dedicated to what they're doing and really wants to make a difference in South Central Los Angeles, then they can be the recipient of this event. Yeah, well, I'll definitely, um, you know, we have a few here and there, uh, mm -hmm. but you know what we lack? Definitely you, can, the, you know, you, like yeah. I said, you can take your time. Yeah, what well, we definitely lack ahead, in the community we'll is um, a bit of organization, and um, and that's something okay. that, you know, we, we uh, definitely um, need a little bit more of, you know, we need to uh, connect our, our leaders more with our people and uh, familiarize each other in that way, but um. I can definitely, I'll definitely be on the lookout and uh, I'll be reaching out to people myself and just introducing the idea. And I mean, just to one day think that uh, we might have a Jasper Peace event here and just uh, to make that happen for the community and uh, for people and just, uh, it sounds like an incredible idea. And I'll definitely, that's that's something that I, I'm going to put in the back of my mind and one of my goals now, one of my 
uh, short term or long term, depending on how long it takes. Goal to uh, have that happen here for us and uh, really work hard to make that because, I mean, just you know, I can only imagine how much uh, how much fun people would have at something like that and how much uh, just uh, general genuine enjoyment people would get and you know just just to know that the person because you know, a lot of what we have here is distrust as well. You know, we don't really just trust anybody coming into the community and just you know asking for our attention. Right. So, you know, just to know that the person who is behind everything is is a genuine person really just changes the entire dynamic. You know, it would really create a, a safe space for us. So, you know, I'm definitely uh, I'm definitely going to be rallying on for you guys and, um, you know, really uh, pushing the message of Jazz for Peace. You know, uh, again, you know, there's a lot of musicians, great musicians here in our community. And I'm sure they would love nothing more than to be able to have uh, an experience of meeting uh, other musicians and finding mentors that would possibly be able to guide them through their journeys as well. And again, it's something that we don't get a lot here in the community. So, I mean, that would just be, I, 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 can't, I can't even put in words how, how amazing and how special that would be for us. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it was good to hear a little bit about that. I do want to, we're getting a little bit into the latter part of the podcast here, but I do want to cover a few things before we get out of here. Um, so, I, I noticed here that it says, um, you know, we want to get a few stories out of you, if you, if you don't mind. Uh, it says here, that you've had experience working okay. with Dizzy Gillespie and um, and Paquito Rivera, so can can you tell us a little bit about those experiences? Yes. How how was it um, working with somebody of that caliber? I mean, you're you're pretty much of that caliber, if you ask me. You know, yeah, the fame doesn't matter too much, but the skill is there. You know, and uh, as you mentioned, you even have some fame yourself. You know, I, I this is my first time meeting you, but I'm sure a lot of people know about you. So, uh, how how does it feel to to work with somebody like that and um can you just explain to us the experience sure so well with dizzy you know with both of those guys uh and and all of the greats that i've played with you know when you play with people of that caliber now you see uh where you need to get to you know what i mean it's like whoa i could maybe if i could get to that that's where i want you know it gives you a a, a marker to shoot for right. you know uh, but with Dizzy Gillespie, it was just an amazing opportunity that came out of the blue. It was so it, actually, I thought it was a crank call. That's what I swear to God. Yeah. I thought it was. A, I was yeah. listening to the voice on the other end yeah. of the phone because the, the, a guy calls me up, right? Uh -huh. And he says to me, "Hi, I got your number from this old man." That blah 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 blah. And he, here's what he tells me. He says, "My father was shot, and my father owns the club." Now, I'm, I'm not believing any of this, I'll tell you wrong. I'm right. like, i I, I got to figure out who this is, who's disguising their voice. I'm going to kill this friend of mine. Yeah, yeah, you know, sure, sure. This crank on me, yeah. Uh -huh. As soon as I figure out who's this, I'm going to kill him. And he's like, and he's going on and on. And I was going to, you know, and I'm and i I'm, I, if I go off on it, I'd have blown the whole thing. But I'm like, I'm just trying to figure out which who, who's playing the joke. And he keeps going, I'm going, I'm like, what? So this guy died. You got this number, and now you've got these acts coming in, and you need yeah. an opening act MC and some of the names of the acts. And when he said Dizzy Gillespie, I said he well, two of the people he had in mind. One was Dizzy, and one was uh, this great singer, uh, Betty Carter. He said, I said, well, when do you have Betty? 
Carter. Oh, she's in such and such week, like six weeks ago. Right. I said, when is Dizzy coming? Dizzy's like next week or whatever, coming in next uh -huh. week. I said, okay, I'm going to take Dizzy Gillespie. One, because of course I would take Dizzy Gillespie, but two, your club, your club could be closed by the time Betty Carter stands up. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I better just jump on this thing. Yeah, and, right. you know, so he throws me in a dressing room. My, I go there, there's a dressing room. There's a dressing room for the band. Then the other dressing room had just Dizzy Gillespie and my name. I said, yeah. are you kidding me? He says, no, we want you to – you and Dizzy are in this dressing room. So we just hung out. I mean I got to hang out with them. It was just crazy. It was surreal. But anyway, I got to hang out with them. I got to you know, introduce them. I got to listen to them show after show, and it was just uh, – you know, it was a dream come true. And then uh, later on what happened was um, – I put out this. I put out my first CD, which did well enough for me to be able to kind of have whoever I wanted on my second CD. Nice. So I had these kind of name players, and one of the the name players I had was a, a bass player named Eddie Gomez. Another one was a drummer named Lenny White, and the three of us started working trio gigs. And so after 9/11, we had a performance at the savannah jazz festival just the three of us but mm -hmm. when we came back after that our next one was as a quartet and what we would do is we would pick up different well-known horn players different famous okay. horn players to play with us depending were on where locals? it was in fact when we came out to what were these locals again, were they local well they they uh sometimes they were local oh, but okay most yeah. of the time they were just players who happened to fit the situation like we would play out, right, right, out right. in uh, L.A. at a club called Catalina's. We played there for a week, and we used a, a musician named Sonny Fortune who had played with Miles Davis, and he was well-known, and that's who they wanted. Well, this place we were playing, this concert, we were trying to figure out who to get, and somehow, I don't even know how it came through, Paquito de Rivera was joining us for that concert. So guess what that concert was? It was the very first jazz for peace concert and he just happened he didn't know it was and i didn't know it was going to be it was just that was the next gig and right. i had recited that poem jazz for peace at the in savannah and now we were going upstate to upstate new york we were going to play the same trio but we were picking up a horn player and that horn player was paquito de rivero so that's how that all came through so he, he is actually the saxophonist and clarinetist on the jazz for peace cd Wow, amazing. And he was the first person, he was the first person to ever play the music, the song Jazz for Peace. He was the first person to ever play it because I I they I told you the story, they had asked me to put music to it and I said, "Okay, I'll try." And I was able to put some music to it by the time that concert came up. Wow. I mean, just what, you know, we spoke a little bit earlier about um just the way you know the higher you know spoke a little bit about the higher power idea and just the way the universe works sometimes and you know whether you're spiritual by religion or spiritual just by you know being in tune with yourself and with the universe it's just incredible how those pieces came together and to hear this story and just uh i mean it's amazing you know it's just uh, really just an a, a incredible story uh, and it's just um you know like you said you know to go all the way to the beginning um when something too bad to be true happens uh you got to find a way to make something too good to be true come right out of it and that my friend is exactly what you have done up to this point which is 
just uh, defied the odds in every way it seems and just taking chances and um, and you've touched people in ways that, um, you know, uh, whether it be through your music or through your message or a combination of both, just uh, it seems that you've done it in such a fashion that uh, that language doesn't even matter. You know, it exceeds the barriers of language and it's just a universal thing. And, um, you know, now that I think about it, you know, there's a few... Um, you know, especially in the Latino culture here, um, we're, we're, I'm in South Central, but a lot of the Latino communities come from East LA, and I know that there's a few um, organizations that organize that come with come up with events. You know, we've had um, oh, I'm losing his name right now. Uh, uh, give me a little sign. Uh, Brenton Woods is it Brenton Brent Brent Woods? Uh, okay, he, he's came he's come to East LA and done a few uh, benefits here. So um yeah I'll definitely reach out to um my, my I got to tell you something I have to tell you some yeah I have to tell you something Ralph we did an event in the Bronx New York uh-huh. and guess what the title was Latin Jazz for Peace Latin Jazz for Peace and we had this amazing flute player play with us named Dave Valentini he's not alive anymore but he's probably the greatest Latin flute player in the history of jazz. He was uh, Tito Puente's uh, musical director. Wow. And so, you know, what we could do out there is we could do the second Latin Jazz for Peace. I so mean, that words, would be it's, amazing. It's, it's Jazz for Peace, but it's going to be Latin Jazz for Peace. I mean, people would lo- I I cannot tell you how well received that would be, number one, how just beneficial it would be for the community. And, you know, I, I mean, just everybody in L.A. loves music, you know. But when, when I tell you this community in East L.A., you know, all my Latinos and all my all my brothers and sisters of, of every creed and color, you know, we, we there's every time an event goes down in East L.A., you know, everybody's invited. But just the, the vibe that's there and the, the, the leaders in the community and the people that put those events together, truly good people. And I'll, I'll definitely make an effort to make the connection there and reach out to them. And uh, have them hopefully sponsor or host uh, a Jazz for Peace benefit. And I know around this time is when, uh, you know, maybe at some point in the future, we'll um, be able to organize that and have that happen here. And um, again, I just uh, I can't imagine how just amazing that something like that would be for the community and for the people who would be able to enjoy that. And I'm sure you'll get lots of love here and just um, we love music and we love to dance and we love to dress up and, and express ourselves through the, the means like that. So, I mean, it's just uh, amazing. And I can't wait to I can't wait to just start working on that and try and make that connection because it uh, just Lat, uh, Jasper, Latin Jasper piece two in Los Angeles, East L.A. I mean, that's yeah. just it, it's just uh, sounds like a dream. So that would be amazing. That'll be the bomb. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, just to speak a little bit about what's currently going on before we uh, move into the last part of the podcast. So uh, I noticed here that it says uh, a little bit about the Jazz for Peace World Tour. So is the World Tour just you going around and doing these benefits in different places? You mentioned Kenya, I believe. You mentioned, uh, of course, Mexico and then Mm -hmm. uh, a few other places. So can you just uh, break down the the World Tour for us and maybe your experiences and... uh, what you've learned by going on tour. Right. Well, here's the thing. Okay. Because what we do is patterned after a tree and anybody knows what a tree is. Mm -hmm. Anybody can have 
have a Jazz for Peace event by following our easy steps that I told you earlier, those easy steps to help us. See, our motto is help us plant the roots mm -hmm. so we can grow your empowerment tree. And that whole thing I told you with the seedling, then the roots, and then the expanded roots where they invite their friends to be VIP guests of honor, those are the, they're helping us plant the roots. Now we, with roots, we can grow a tree and we grow their empowerment tree. So, you know, one day we were uh, uh, conversing with someone in the south of India and we just wrote them a, because you know what, here's another thing we don't do. We never will drop you. If the only way for your event not to happen is for you to give up, we will never give up on you. And right. so we don't care where you're from, and we don't even care if we don't even believe in it, because we didn't, we didn't, we never thought this guy would confirm his event. He was way in the south of India, and we just wrote him a letter once just to say, listen, I'm really sorry, it, you know, it didn't work out, but we just want to tell you, you know, it was great speaking with, with you, right. and you know, we wish you the best. And he wrote back to us. He said, "What are you talking about?" I'm, I'm I'm selling tickets over here. I said, what? He said, yeah, my VIPs, they're all buying the tickets. I said, whoa, how many tickets have you sold? Whoa, blah, blah, blah. Mm. I said, well, you're, you almost have this event confirmed. Yeah, I'm almost got. So there we were. We were in, I flew to Chennai, India, and then uh, they picked me up and they took me way down south. And I'm telling you, these people had never seen a Caucasian man. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Then I had someone in Ghana, Africa. Never. I'm serious. You would not believe this stuff. Um, I was in the house, by the way. I was in a the house there. They said, "Oh, we fixed this house all up for you. Let's check it out. Everything." And I said, "It's great, but you know, there's no toilet paper." And they go, "Oh, because they don't do toilet paper. Right? Yeah. They just don't do. It. Most of the world does not use toilet paper. Mm -hmm. And in India, one hand is for." that part and the other hand is for eating so they'll only use one hand to eat and they'll only use one hand for what they say washing but they don't use that stuff and in in africa they have something that's better than toilet paper they told me about this that's better than toilet, and it is it's some kind of a plant uh they have a plant that's better than a toothbrush that i've tried but anyway people started confirming events in places that they've never seen anybody of my kind I mean, and I've, I've never seen them and they've never seen me. Places that don't even have electricity. Places that it took the whole day to play the event because the electricity kept going off. And they, they were like, no big no big deal. We are gonna be here until this event is finished. I don't care when, you know, they'll, they'll be there overnight if they have to wait. Right. So, I mean, we're talking places like Nepal. We're talking Lahore, Pakistan, where they took me around in a car that had tinted windows so people couldn't see in i could only see out and if you ever watch the lahore pakistan video all the way to the end you'll see all the pictures i took through that tinted glass they snuck me in and out of these places where the kids were the kids knew i was coming they they went crazy they threw flowers and we had a great time then they snuck me out of there and back into the car again and um you know uh just all kinds of um all kinds of places all over the world i can't even uh, I, you know i don't even know where to begin i mean you'd have to tell me the continent and i tell you the city or whatever you know but uh you know as as far up as um uh as far up as helsinki finland where i'm looking at a poster right now on my yeah. wall uh to as far down as sao paulo brazil yeah and i mean just uh again just the power of music and and the power of the message is just really inspiring and 
uh, I just hope that it continues to touch as many people as possible and that the movement um, never stops because uh, one way to bring peace is definitely through music and, and jazz is an amazing art form. So uh, kudos to you, my friend, and, and just the best of luck. And again, we'll be supporting from afar. Always, uh, I'll keep, I'll try and keep up, you know, and just let people know and, and pass the word on. And I mean, uh, it was good to have met you today. And, um, you know, like you said, I'm sure we could just go on for hours with stories and things like that. But uh, maybe we'll save that for another uh, episode and have you back on here if, 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 if that'd be cool with you. So, um, yeah, um, as we move on. We're to off that, to a great start. That's for sure. Yeah, for sure. And uh, so as we get to the end here, uh, before we let me make sure I didn't forget anything before we get into the closing notes and to the last part of this episode. Is there any last words you want to leave with the people? Um, you know, I, what I would like to just say is that anything can happen when there is one word and that one word is cooperation. If people want to cooperate the sky is the limit. You can look at look at all the problems that you see over there in South Central, and I'll tell you, they could be solved with cooperation. I could not have said that better myself. It's just um, this is the truth. Nothing but the truth. You know, cooperation is um, is it's just necessary. You know, it's just necessary, especially as humans. You know, for us to get together and um, you know, ignore. And look past our differences and find commonalities within each other. It's just a beautiful message that we uh, like to spread here and that we definitely uh, support. So uh, at the end here, what we like to do uh, is our last segment before we get out is uh, I like to ask uh, about I've got about eight questions here that serve the purpose of humanizing the guests. You know, um, we get had plenty of stories. We've heard you give us a, an incredible performance and um you know, these uh, last questions, again, just kind of bring everything back down to earth. So uh, I'm going to start here with the first question. So uh, you touched on it a little bit, but what inspires you to do what you do? Uh, what inspires me is um, the opportunity from the actual people I'm assisting uh, to know that I've made a difference from really them telling me. Because if, if they if they said I made a difference, then who am I to argue? Right, right. And I mean, that's, I can imagine that's just uh, an incredible feeling. So next question. Do you have any advice for others, and this can be for people in your position in life or people who are just, you know, general people who um, living day to day, and this can be a quote or just um, just any advice you might have? Well, one thing I would say is no matter how low you go, I can guarantee you there is somebody out there worse off than you, and you could help them. And that would make you feel a lot better. Um, on to the next. Uh, the first time. Okay. Yeah. So this question is, 
Can you tell us about the first time you ever felt accomplished? That f- the first moment in your life where you really got that, you know, I did it feeling, you know, I did that. Well, I'm not sure if I remember it, but I believe it might have been when my mother wanted me to play the piano for her little woman's group. And so I, I know that I practiced really hard and I put on a suit and tie and I thought I was going to get paid. That's right. kind of why I did everything. That's but hilarious. I at least and I and yeah, and I didn't get paid. I was a little pissed. But, uh, you know, I was probably a little seven year old kid. But I did, I believe, feel that accomplishment when I executed and played the pieces and got the applause from her, you know, her friends. That's a good one. We always get a good one on that on that question. You know, we always get all types of answers, mm. and that was that was a, an interesting answer there. Um, what are some of your goals that you may have right now at the moment, whether they be long term, short term? Um, just any goals you have currently? Well, one of my goals is really to try to keep an open mind and allow the future to unfold in the most productive and organic way. So, you know, sometimes you try to force your own direction and, uh, right. you know, you, you forget that, you know what, there, there's, there, there might be a flow, a natural, a natural flow that is even better than, you know, the square peg that you might be trying to fit into a round hole. That's very true. Um, how, how next question how have your life experiences affected the way that you maneuver through life i think they've given me a certain aura because um people pick up on my vibe and it's like different people it's like i know things about them that i wouldn't have known from if it hadn't have been for my experiences and they pick up on things about me that I would never know that they could pick up of if I hadn't have had those experiences, you know? Um, I mean, I remember recently I was walking down a street in Chinatown and I was walking with someone and, you know, I saw these people and I, and I knew they were from Africa and the person I was walking with had no idea if she, no way could tell where they were from. Right. Uh, and I, not only did I know they were from Africa, but as I got closer, I knew they were from West Africa and as I got even closer, they knew that I had been to Africa. You see what I mean? So, wow, uh, so by the time we, yeah, by the time we reached each other, we just stopped and looked at each other, and we were like, you know, I know you, and you know me, and nobody else walking by was able to make that connection. It's interesting how the spirit has that capability, right, of kind of recognizing, uh, recognizing that familiarity. Very interesting. Um, so the last two questions that I have here for you are the shortest, but oftentimes most difficult to answer for some of the guests. Uh, first question here, what do you love? What do I love? I love progress. progress care expand a little bit or is it you just want to leave it at progress well yeah so progress it it can be pretty wide open okay it can be pretty wide open but um let's say um the progress of let's say helping someone get those roots planted right 
because I know if I'm able to help you get those roots planted, then all of the amazing things that have already happened for all these other organizations are now possible and some things that have never even happened before are possible. So that's just one example. But how, here's another one. How about I'm sitting at the piano and I hear something in my head, but I don't know how to get to it. But mm. I know if I practice slowly and diligently, I will be able to master the concept. And then once I master the concept, I'll be able to, um, you know what I mean, to execute what I'm hearing. So see, something like that, Raul, is more powerful than an addiction for a drug. You see what I mean? So yeah. a lot of times I see people and they're captured by the, the pharmaceutical companies because the right, pharmaceutical right. companies have made that area devoid of culture, devoid of love, devoid of anything. And that makes them a slave to the drug. And now they're pimping for the pharmaceutical company. They're going and boosting things to get money and they're giving that money to the pharmaceutical company to get those blues or whatever those things are they call, you know, that they're addicted to or whatever it could be. You know what I mean? Right, right. So, you know, I mean, the, you know, you know, people are getting a, a cut off of all these drug dealers, you know, that you can't, de you know, that you don't deal drugs. Nobody knows about it. They know about it. You pay them off. So right. all this stuff is going on. But you know what? I can sit down. I, I look at them and I say, damn, they don't have a piano. They don't have right. that which I have that is like, oh, my God, look at the rewards of that mm -hmm. progress. No other I could go this other right, whereas I could go that other direction and I could get high, but it's not progress. You see what I mean? Wow. It's not progress. I've never That's heard, the difference. Yeah, I've never heard that put in such a. You know, the way you just uh, explained that, the issue, which is something, again, that plagues our neighborhood very much so, our communities very much so, is the, you know, unfortunately, you know, and that's why, uh, that's why I'm so, I look forward to and I'm so motivated to, to help and connect the program and the benefit with the community because, it, you know, unfortunately, a lot of the times the drugs do get to people first, you know, because they're so accessible and, um, you know, there's nothing more... Uh, uh sad but i don't mean sad like you know in a bad way i mean it like uh, i really empathize with people who are uh, in a position where they they you know they don't reach their true potential when i know that i see i see the potential in a lot of people and when when you see somebody give up on themselves it's truly one of the saddest feelings in life and um yeah so we always encourage people to find some other outlet you know even if you're currently addicted to something you know there's always uh there's never too or too little hope you know you can always use one little speck of hope and just that's enough to carry you through it and there's always people willing to support you so thank you for putting that in such a you know eloquent way um so the last question that we have here um what are you afraid of what i'm afraid of is hmm let's see um what I'm afraid of is um, hopelessness. Another short but uh, 
very complex answer there. Right. So you want me to expound. So hopelessness is when people secretly do something and people that could help them can't help them because they're keeping it a secret and the people that can help them don't know it. You know, oh. so they're creating a hopeless environment oh. for themselves. Now you can't help them because you don't even know mm. the hole that they're digging because they are keeping that secret from you. Right. So hopeless scenarios like that, um, you know, see, it's hard to you know, see if you can if you can get someone addicted to progress. OK, they might see that. Hey, wait a minute. I'm going to go for this addiction than that other one because that other one is giving me hopelessness. Right. You see what I mean? That one's leading to hopelessness. This one is leading to hope. Right. Such a great point you're making there. And yeah, again, it's just sometimes the negatives get to the people before the positives can, you know, and it's just why we encourage the people, you know, like, I mean, hopelessness is such a powerful message. It really just speaks for itself. So, Thank you for communicating that message with us. Um, so that's it, folks. We're here at the end of the episode. You know, uh, before we go out, we want to thank Rick Delorado. You guys can look him up, look up his music, uh, check him out, check out jazzforpeace.org. Uh, give a look at the whole organization and support whatever they're doing. Um, definitely, as you guys heard today, uh, there's a lot of good stuff going on, and there's a lot of opportunity for people who uh, may need help. So. Go ahead and show love to the organization they got going on over there, and uh, just we just. One thing you can do that's uh -huh. kind of fun: you can go to Google and you can type in my name, Rick Delarada, D-E-L-L-A-R-A-T-T-A, -T -T -A, and then the words "famous quote," Rick Delarada, famous quote. Not only will you get to my famous quote, but you will get to famous quotes that will be so inspiring from so many other people. It'll be an amazing few minutes that you spend all right so you guys go ahead and do that follow that check that out and again we just appreciate the performance that we got it was incredible all the knowledge and insights shared just uh one of my favorite episodes by far and it's just an honor to have you on here rick and again we hope to have you back at some time in the future hopefully we can talk more and uh hopefully at some point in the future we'll be speaking about a possible event going on here in la for all the people listening uh, so yeah guys you know what that means in the bottom left as always we have the social tag in the cut global at in the cut global that's on instagram twitter tiktok as well as youtube if you're watching this you probably already know we're on youtube so uh we appreciate everybody who's been showing love so far by just watching the video liking subscribing commenting all that good stuff you know uh, again it motivates us to just keep on going and it's always appreciated and we can use as much backing from the community as we as we uh, can get so thank you to everybody who's been doing that so far and as always guys be safe take care and peace